0: Fantastic. We are so glad that you're here with us today and hope that you are enjoying this beautiful English summer that apparently is going to be getting warmer and warmer, warmer, so make sure that you're drinking lots of water, water, all right, and uh, staying hydrated and um, enjoying the sunshine. How many people remember the summer of 76? I was there. You know when you were young and you used to hear old people saying, remember 19-whatever? Well, I was there the summer of 76. We just moved to Hailing Island, and there was a drought, and it was hot. Are you are right there, mate? Okay, all right, carry on. And I was there, and uh, listen, we're going for another landmark weekend apparently, but just stay safe. I went out last night on my paddle board, and these three ladies thought they were going to get away with it. I went out last night about 8 o'clock, it was a beautiful night, me and Christina went off down to East jumped on our paddle boards and uh, just enjoyed a flat ocean and there was a marvellous moment when I'd finished as I came into shore and three of our family church ladies were there in the water. Now should I reveal them, what do you reckon, should I reveal them? Okay, it was, no I won't, I'll leave you guessing. But I thought what a wonderful moment when they looked up and their pastor was walking on water coming towards them there just there they were just paddling around cooling off in the water in the shallow end they look up and there's pastor and forget about the paddleboard, that's irrelevant just walking on the water towards them and I said see you in church tomorrow ladies you know it's those moments that only you can do in the summer because you don't want to do that in the winter if you're swimming or paddleboarding and um It's just a joy to be with you today. Don't forget, we've got lots of stuff going on with our media at the moment. If you don't follow us on Instagram, get following us. We can keep you up to date with stuff. And Janine and the team are doing brilliant things on that. And we've got online congregation forever. You're not around on a Sunday morning. Join us with our online congregation. Um, That's brilliant. That's where Pastor Gina's been the last two weeks. People have said, Is Pastor Gina all right? She's been actually presenting and uh, leading the online congregation. The last two weeks, um, but she'll be back next week, which is brilliant. And uh, hey, here's some good news. Also, um, I think it's August the 14th. Family Church launches on TBN at 9:30 in the morning. So if you watch TBN um, on Sunday mornings when you're getting ready for church, and you just can't get enough Family Church. From the 14th of August, we have a family church going live on TBN, 9.30 every morning. We're going to see how that works. Yeah, come on, let's give God praise. We're going to see how that works for three months, and um, hopefully we'll stay on there and do that as well. So you've got online church, you've got the main thing, which is church in person. We want to encourage everyone. Those other ones are good, but always, always, always aim to be in church in person. Brilliant. Now, we're in a series at the moment, which is an important series, so I'm teaching it rather than preaching it, but we really want you to catch the principles of this in your heart. Uh, We started last week, it's a three-week series, and also we've got the notes to this series on our app, another technical benefit. I know there were some problems last week for certain people downloading them. They were there. I'm not sure what was going on in hyperspace or whatever it's called. But today we're uploading again to your app or to the website. If you go to blogs and resources, you'll see all the verses and key comments from today's message. Um, on there on the app. That's good, isn't it? So during the week, you can say, all right, let me go back and look at that verse again. Let me go through that theme again. So if you go to our Family Church app or website, go to resources and blogs, there should be right now a set of notes that just says, is it there, Stu? It's there. Um, I believe it's, what's it called? Financial um, Kingdom Economy Part 2. But we want to carry on this week looking at this very important series called Kingdom Economics, and I really want each of you to have an open heart and be ready to hear God in a fresh way with this. So we're looking at a biblical response to how a believer should, number one, handle their finances, but number two, how a believer should handle a financial crisis. Why are we teaching on this? Because money, finances, and resources are a part of your life and God gives us wisdom in handling them, but also gives us wisdom in handling a time called famine. Now, the good news is if you read the Bible and look through history, there's been many famines before, but at the moment on the news, we keep hearing of a coming financial crisis, increases of interest rates um, and all the fuel costs, the petrol costs, the cost of living, that's real, the media aren't lying to you, but the media are not telling you God's opinion on it, all right? Because my thought is, if we're a people that know God's ways or God's economy, we won't just survive a financial crisis, we'll actually thrive in a financial crisis and be able to bless others. We have so much food going out of our offices at the moment every week. Packages, food hampers go to families all over the city. How many people know you need finances to buy food to meet the needs of people? So when we're believing God to thrive in a financial crisis, it's not just me, myself, and I. It's let us be a Joseph. How many people love the story of Joseph? I'm thanking the Lord for a Joseph anointing on family church that means that we've got provision to meet needs for people when other provision runs dry. Now, what we're doing these three weeks is we're turning to the Word of God for instruction. We shouldn't just turn to the Word for comfort and encouragement, but for instruction as well. Uh, We're not teaching from fear or lack. We're not teaching on tithing because we've got a financial problem in, fi- in family church. We're teaching because we believe it's key information that God wants every believer to know. And also, if you missed last week when we looked at stewardship, you can see that again on the app. Go to Facebook, go to YouTube. Part one is on there. So last week, we started looking at the subject of kingdom economics and we looked at the subject of stewardship, how living true to God's kingdom economy starts with two things. Number one, it starts with seeing ourselves as citizens of his kingdom. Now Jesus, when he prayed for the disciples, he said, don't take them out of the world, Lord. Father, leave them in the world, but let them know they're in the world, but they're not of the world which means we're in the world, but the systems of the world don't need to be the systems that we live from. Can someone say amen? Help me out a little bit today, all right? This is teaching. It's an important subject. So it starts with us understanding we want to live true in all of our ways, including our financial ways, true to the kingdom that we belong to first. And the kingdom of God trumps the kingdom of our natural birth. Number two, we need to see ourselves now as managers rather than owners, but we now have been entrusted by God to manage things in our life. Before, we were owners. It's mine. I got it. It was my strength. It was my ability. Last week, we took a journey of realization that we have nothing God didn't give us or give us the ability to own or achieve. So we now see ourselves as stewards before God rather than owners. All that we covered last week. Next, Kingdom Economy brings us or introduces us to a subject that is loved by some, hated by others, misrepresented by some pastors, and preached in truth by others. And it's the subject of the tithe and tithing, all right? So what is the tithe? We're going to go really basic with this today. What is the tithe? The tithe means the 10th or first part of something. When you mention the word tithe, it simply means 10th part or first part of something. So what is tithing? Tithing is the act of returning to God what is his we don't give our tithes, we pay our tithes. To give what is required or expected is never a gift or a seed. Are you with me? Now don't get offended with me. You know the old saying, you know, eat the meat and spit out the bones. I say no, if the bones are getting stuck in your throat and making you choke a little bit, choke until the truth comes out but sometimes we can have preset ideas, but we need to allow the word of God to get stuck in our throat. If it's something we need to believe and understand, we can't spit it out quickly. We need to say, Lord, let me digest the fullness of your word. Not that I want anybody to choke on a chicken bone, but a few people choking on God's truth until they get a revelation, that wouldn't be a bad thing. So we don't Give our tithes. Oh, I'm giving my tithes today. No, no, you can't give what doesn't belong to you. We believe that tithes, the tenth part, is paid, which means we return to someone something that already belongs to them. All right? If you borrow my car, you don't give me my car back, you return to me what's mine. When we bring the tithe, now next week we're going to talk about finances beyond the tithe seed um, giving uh, blessing others but today we're zooming in on what we do with the first tenth of our increase so we cannot talk about tithing without going to the book of Malachi or if you're from Italy Malachi Malachi well, that's a joke but used to get a few laughs now it gets none the book of Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 to 12 pastor Stewart still laughed 25 years later, he's still laughing at my jokes. I love that man. So Malachi chapter three, let's read through these verses together. "Will Will a mere mortal or will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, the Lord responds. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven, the windows of heaven, over your life and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it or contain it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. From the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land says the lord now before we move on i just want to underline i tithe okay i don't want anyone wondering does he me and my family we tithe we've always tithed we believe in the tithe the leaders of family church tithe we're not asking anyone to do what we don't do all right there's an expectation On every leader and pastor in family church to be honoring God in this way. I just want to let you know that so there's no questions. Now, here's the key points that Malachi is making. According to Malachi, to not tithe is robbery. I'm not saying that. Malachi is saying that. It also says that we're to bring or return all, not some, of the tithes to God. These are all bullet points on the notes if you want to look at them later. It also says that they're to come into the storehouse. We'll open that up in a moment. The storehouse is the church, the body of Christ. Now, this is also the only place in the Bible where God invites a person to test him. Isn't that interesting? He knows our insecurity with finances. He knows how resources and finances can make us sometimes insecure. So God says, listen, I'm not after your money. I don't need your money It's your heart attached to money that I need. Test me in this, says the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Other places it says, don't test God. This one, he says, you test me. Prove it. Give it a go. See if I'm a liar. Now, also what it says in Malachi is that the tithing causes a multifaceted effect of increase and protection in a person's life beyond money alone. So when we speak about surviving and thriving a financial crisis, the tithe is key because according to the words of God, when we honour him with the tithe, he causes protection on what we own and increase upon our lives. Remember it says in the Bible there, he'll keep pests from devouring your crop. When I tithe, I say, thank you, Lord, that you keep pests away from my four daughters. I don't need any pests hanging around my four daughters. One of them's married to a great guy, so she's hooked up. Still got three daughters. I'm like, God, keep the pests from my daughters. Can any dad say amen there? All right. Some of you are going to start praying. That's your takeaway today. All right. Some people would ask when we talk on tithing, isn't tithing Old Testament or the law? That's a common question. So let's answer that. I don't believe it is, I believe that tithing, this is my personal belief, tithing is an ongoing active honor principle rather than a previously given law. I believe it's an honor principle that's an ongoing part of a believer's life, not a law that we adhere to. Number two, it's among a number of things that continue beyond the cross. Now, when we look at the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, we see certain things finalized, right? We see certain things finalized. The old covenant, the old agreement, uh, righteousness by the law, righteousness by works. But there's certain things that are lifestyle that are post-cross and pre-cross, before and after. Now, think about it for a moment. Now that we're born again, living this side of the cross, are we now allowed to murder? We're not, right? Is adultery okay now? No, no. Now, we know there's certain things that aren't law-based, they're kingdom-based. Honoring God with the tenth of your life isn't a law, it's a kingdom-based honor principle. So we look at its origins. Where did tithing begin? Now, the first act of tithing was done before the law by Abram. A man walking in promise and grace, not legality and obligation. So we need to see that the first person to tithe wasn't somebody tithing under a Mosaic law, but somebody who had experienced victory and had a lifestyle of honoring God in the victory that God gave him. You good? Don't forget to use your announcements cards, your welcome cards as fans. Any material on your chair that's cardboard, feel free to give a wave offering, all right? Give a wave offering today. Cool yourselves down. Now, when Abraham or Abram gave a tithe to the Lord, it was 430 years before the law was given. So we just need to place tithing. Now, I'm going to read to you from Genesis 14. Verses 18 to 20, where it happened on the screen behind. Isn't it wonderful how I now dress to fit the screen behind? Did anybody notice that? I just did when I turned around. I will be on Facebook as one of those trendy pastors who has a screen to match his shirt, but it was a mistake. It was an incident. You know, I don't know what to say. Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, that's the type of Christ, the endless priest, brought out bread and wine he was a priest of God most high he blessed him to Abraham he blessed Abraham of God most high possessor of heaven and earth but then it says this in verse 20 and blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands and he Abraham gave him a tithe of all now it doesn't say and God said to him where's my legal expectation of a financial remuneration?" he said And Abraham, knowing that he'd been blessed and was made victorious, honoured God with the first tenth. A good example will be, I watch Facebook and a number of our Filipino community go fishing. And they catch mackerel. But I've never seen a tithe. Oh, I've seen the photos. But I've never yet seen a tithe gutted and cleaned may I say delivered to the priest's house but we ministry of hints who know what could happen this week of the Filipino family smiling at me yes they are there's the leader of the pack Arnell, now right there all right okay it was an act of victory and faith not uh, fear or desperation The tithe was given to Melchizedek, the type of Christ. We tithe to the church, which is the body of Christ. Tithes, this is an important one. Tithes are received here by man, but also received at the same moment in heaven by God. Well, what do I give my tithes to man? Well, you don't. You give your tithes to man, but according to Hebrews, at that same moment, your tithes are received in heaven by God. Now, let me read to you from Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes, all right, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Hebrews 7, verse 8. So the act of tithing, returning to God for 10%, comes through the natural management of an earthly church, but is received in the heavenly by God the moment it's given what if the church didn't do what they should with your tithe that's not correct and they'll stand before God for that but the reality is your tithe was released from your life the moment you gave it because you didn't give it to man you gave it to God this is important stuff notice that Abraham wasn't the only one to tithe. Jacob tithed, Genesis 28, verse 20. Jesus encouraged the tithe, Matthew 23, 23. These verses are on your info sheets or your worksheets. When they came to Jesus and spoke about tithing, the mint and the dill and the herbs, he said to them, don't forget things like grace and mercy as well as your tithe. Jesus didn't replace the tithe with be nice. We need to understand this stuff in the Bible. Abraham did it. Jacob did it. Um, Isaac did it. Jesus taught on it. But another way of understanding the tithe, which really helps me, um, is the terminology of first fruits. Sometimes you hear people speak of the tithe, the 10%. Other times you speak of first fruits. Little example, You ten, you catch 10 mackerel. One mackerel... It's a tithe. I don't know if that's a very good example. It's just all I've got to use today. You catch, you catch 10 mackerel. You catch 8 mackerel. You know, it, it, you catch 10 mackerel. One mackerel. It's, we there, all right? Basic math here. Now, when we honor God with the first fruits, given to man but given to God, what we do is we actually live in the truth of Proverbs 3. Here's another key verse, all right, when it comes to tithing and first fruits. Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own reasoning. In all your ways, submit to him, all your ways. And if you do it with all your ways, he'll direct all of your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops or increase, whether that's money, corn, Wheat, gold, or mackerel? Going to keep massaging that. Going to get me some fish for breakfast this week. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. Lord, fill my vats, fill my barns. Have you done what he asked you to do and honor him? Because like Malachi, what we do cause and effect when we honor God he pours out all right so here's the key points from Proverbs don't handle your finances with your wisdom use his wisdom don't lean to your own understanding number two understand cause and effect blessing flows from your faith and obedience this is in alignment with what God says in Malachi Now, what we've got to do is understand here God's love of firsts. God has a love of firsts. He doesn't talk about the remainder apart from blessing it. He always speaks about the first of a thing. Not just money, everything. Now, I want you to grab this today. Exodus 13 verse 2 says that all of the firstborn belong to him. Now Exodus 23, 19, all of the first fruits belonged to him and were to be brought to God's house. That was under the law, but remember, we're not living by law, we're living by eternal principle. Now here's, here's a little glimpse of how this works throughout the Old Testament, just four or five examples. In the Garden of Eden, God made many trees for the enjoyment and well-being of people But he said, the first tree belongs to me. Eat what you want. Eat the 90%, but the 10%, the tree of life is mine. You don't touch it. We understand that in Genesis, right? But also when we read Genesis, we read about Cain and Abel. And the issue that there was between Cain and Abel, Genesis 4 verses 3 to 5. What was the issue? Was it meat or vegetables? No, it was first fruit. One brought some that was left over. The other brought that which was first. All right, let's follow the journey, the promised land. Remember when God brings the children of Israel into the promised land. What's the first city they come to? Jericho. God says of Jericho, you don't touch it, it's mine. You have nothing from Jericho. The first tenth or the first city is mine. But then look at the generosity of God. But every other city is yours. Every other city is yours. But Jericho is mine. And obviously then somebody gets in trouble because they didn't understand the rules, thought they knew better, lent to their own understanding and brought a curse on their family. We see this throughout the teaching of Ectus, the first belongs to me. Abraham, God asked for Abraham's first child with the intention of blessing him with children comparable to the sand of the sea. God loves the first of our life. That's why the best of our praise belongs to him and not X factor. That's why the best dance of our life belongs to him and not an Abba tribute night. That's why the best of anything in our life belongs to Him. Now, catch the point, because what we do with the 10 redeems the rest. This isn't about you lacking, this is about you increasing. But God takes the 10, but then He blesses the 90. Now, we also read in Leviticus 27, verse 30. <clears throat> that the tithe was holy what does holy mean set apart not touchable not for you it says a tithe of everything from the land whether grain from the soil or from the fruit of the trees belongs to the Lord and it is holy set apart not for you that carries on today this is why I tithe I don't even regard the tithe as part of my finances. My tithe is my first direct debit out of my account. And then I tithe also anything else that comes in physically on the app. But I don't sit there and say, all right, here's my finances. Who gets what first? The first of my income and my increase goes to God and his blessing is on the rest. Is this okay today? This is stuff that won't help you survive. This will help you thrive. Next week, I'm going to get into sowing and reaping, but you can't sow and reap until you're given what you owe. All right. I love it when you get a response and the power of the response is in the silence. I love that. It means, oh no, he just said something. So we don't give it, we return it. It's a matter of internal heart response. Remember the widow's offering, Mark 12, verses 42 to 44 a man or Pharisees came in with loads of money, waving it around. Yet the attention of Jesus was drawn to the widow and her mite. That introduces us to the next principle. The tithe is not about amount, it's about percent. The tithe is never about amount, it's about percent. And this is God in his goodness laying a fair playing ground for everyone to take part. Because if it was an amount, it would disqualify those who didn't have enough. That's why God made the tithe a percent, so that there was a level playing ground and an equal opportunity for people to partake in the blessing of tithing. So it's 10%, not any given amount. And this was the problem in the temple. The disciples were seeing the amount that was in the hands of the Pharisees as they were waving it around. Yet Jesus was drawn to the heart of a widow that had a couple of coins, but I believe the coins represented a tenth of her life. And God is stirred by honor to percent, not waving of amount. That's good, eh? Now, according um, to God, it's percent, not amount. Um, He gives us a level playing ground. I was traveling a couple of weeks ago and uh, I bumped into someone who was a multi-millionaire and um, we were discussing these things because I was teaching on this in a Bible school and it was amazing that I've seen this a few times now that often people that have a problem with tithing isn't the people with a few coins, it's the people with a large amount because a lie comes into their heart that says surely the amount I'm bringing gives me better giving than the person bringing a little no it's never amount it's percent God would be unjust if he made it about amount he made it about percent and the person said to me they said well if I brought all of my tithe this is the wrong person to talk to if I brought all of my tithe into the house what would they do with it I looked at them and said it's none of your business Why did you make it your business? You don't determine where the tithe goes. That's a determination of the leadership you trust with the oversight of your soul. You trust them that they will do right with what you bring. It's funny because I was speaking to a pastor earlier and they were starting a seven million building program. I think he knows what he would do with it. But then also she said to me, oh, well, actually, number one, it's the amount. I said, no, no, you're being deceived, my love. You owe me nothing, so I can be honest with you. God expects from you 10%, like he does the person next to you that's earning £100. It's not amount. But I've seen this happen with people that have been blessed in finances. 25 years of doing church, I've walked with people that had nothing, began to tithe, God blessed them. Then all of a sudden, a deception came in the blessing that the amount that they were now handling quantified or qualified them to bring a lesser percent. I don't know how to say this honestly. It's a lie. That's not true. If you're on millions, it's 10%. If you're on 100, it's 10%. God is into percent and actually blesses you to be able to give more. All right. Now, where does the tithe belong? Well, according to Malachi, the tithe belongs in the storehouse. What is the storehouse? Where is the storehouse? My belief of this is that the storehouse is the local congregation or body of Christ that you attend. Not the one you came from, the one that you come to and are presently fed, overseen, and your family is cared for. Well, what about the church that I came from in a different country? Send them offerings, gifts, seeds, but I believe your tithe Belongs in the place that you and your family are currently planted and being blessed. That's my persuasion. I'm an honest man. You'll never look in my eyes and think, I wonder what he was really thinking. This is it. The storehouse is where you currently call your spiritual home. But the good news is, we'll see next week, there's nothing stopping you taking from the 90% that God's blessed and supporting works that you've seen, ministries you've been a part of, and even congregations you once attended. It's not less, it's actually more. Now, again, if you've got any questions on this stuff, please talk to Pastor Sean. You like that now, don't you? As we're transitioning to the you know, talk to Pastor Sean and and um, and Paula about these things. You like that? I'm sure Stu would have a conversation with you as well. And I know Wayne would. Where's Wayne? Yeah, he's up for a chat at the back about these things. These are people that do this. They're not theorists, they're practitioners, all right? So the church is the place we bring, the storehouse we bring our tithe because it's God's plan of sustaining and resourcing his church, when Jesus left to go to heaven one day to return, he put in an incredible plan in his church to make sure that his bride, the church, wanted for nothing and could do whatever he asked them to do. That's called the tithe. It's only when a percentage of the church don't tithe, they limit the effect of what the church can do. Living there thinking other people, don't, uh, other people do, so I don't. What you do is you limit our effect. We could say, because this amount or percentage of people in family church tithe, we're able to do this. Praise God. But equally, we could say, if we could increase that percentage and see people honour God with their tithe more than they have, the church could also do this. It's God's plan of resourcing his house The reason that churches have to do jumble sales to put new roofs on buildings, the reason that the church has to go to the city council with a cup, a cap in its hand is because some Christians don't respect the tithe. I believe that if tithing was something that was a joy in our hearts, the church would have an abundance and be unstoppable house of Joseph in a time of famine, able to keep on blessing when other barns dry up. This is God's plan of sustaining his house, but also making us unstoppable. Now, I know that this could be a bone in your throat. I get that. But would you just take time before you spit it out to think about it? God left his bride with us, went off on business, and he's returning to collect his bride. When we tithe, we take the 10% He left us to take care of his bride, and we enjoy the 90, but the 10% is we make sure that she's not in rags, that she's got what she needs. The church is the bride of Christ. I want to look the bridegroom in the eyes one day and say, with my energy, with my heart, with my resources, I took care of your bride with what you left me to care for her with I'm just being honest with you today guys there is a financial crisis coming but it doesn't have to touch your home it doesn't have to touch your life but I can't make you live by these principles that's legalism I can just tell you what I do what other church leaders do and what I've seen to work over 30 years of walking with Jesus okay here's another important part Don't lose sight of a 90. (laughs) People get so bent out of shape with a 10. Oh, he wants a 10. I don't want the 10. It's not mine. Oh, he's always on about the 10. He's always on about the 10. Well, let's talk about the 90. And I will keep the pest away from your 90. I will pour blessing that you can't contain on your 90. I will keep famine from your 90. What you sacrifice with the 10 you redeem the rest. Now, seriously, if we had time, I would get my dad up here, Dave Elms, to tell you about the miracles in his life that comes from him knowing he tithes. We had a business that went down to the ground because the fruit industry changed. But dad decided that he was going to tithe and he could keep you in the coffee room for hours. Seriously. The guy is always in the right place at the right time. He's always in the shop the moment they drop the price. He's always walking past a store when somebody's saying, does anyone need this? You see, the tithe positions you for blessing in the rest. The windows of heaven are open above your life. You say, aren't you, don't you feel guilty share, talking about money and that? A little bit. I do, to tell you the truth. It's not the easiest subject for anyone to talk about. But if I love you and I care for you, how can I not teach you the things of God that affect this very, very important area of your life and family? All right. So sometimes people lose sight of anointing because of greed, fear, insecurity over the 10%, but that can cause them to miss the promise and the blessing on the 90. All right, I've got a summarization now in the next three minutes or so. You ready? In summary, what does tithing do? It honors God for who he is. It places and declares trust and faith in God and not stuff. It acknowledges the source of your provision, the tap, not the hosepipe. It resources the church to take care of what God has asked the church to do. It tests the hearts of a person. God doesn't need your money. He uses money because of the attachment our hearts have to it. Our priorities, our securities, our loyalties, and our affections are all connected to finance and resources. He opens the windows of heaven. It affects the rest. If a root is holy, so are the branches, Romans 11:16). 16. And leading on for next week, It prepares the ground of your life for good seed and sowing. Talk to a farmer. They don't throw seed into fields that aren't prepared. Tithing prepares the field of your life. All right, here's the final bit. Correcting a no tithe or a wrong tithe. Because some people will be sitting here today going, Yeah, Andy, I tithe, and other people would go, I used to. Other people, I've never tithed. There's a mixed bag in this room. Some people would be saying, I know I should, but I don't know how to or where to start. Come on, we're a church made up of a demographic of many people in different financial situations. So let me nail this as we finish. If you suddenly realize that you should be tithing, but you're not, or you should be tithing and you can't, Here's my suggestions that have come from experience, but I believe God will meet as I've worked with other people. Number one. Thank you. Rebudgeting. Sometimes people can't pay the tithe because they're spending the tithe on something else. Right? Come on, let's be honest. Oh, I can't tithe, but I'm gonna go down to three costas a day, you know? Sometimes we need to rebudget. Find a coin in your current spending habits. The picture of this I love is Luke 15, verses 8 to 10, in the parable of lost things. Suddenly, this woman looks for a coin she's lost, one of ten. And she searches the house for the missing 10%, the missing coin. Sometimes we need to search our house, go through our budgets, and see what's important to find the 10%. Number two, reprioritizing your finances. Similar to number one, give it an important place in your budget. Again, if I go to the butchers and I say, I want a nice slice of steak, I'm in for a slice of steak today. I could speak about mackerels, but I'm not. If I went to the butcher and said, I want a nice nice bit of steak today. And he says, well, it's been a busy day. And he offers me a st- a straggle at the end a, a, a little bit of butt meat at the end I'm going to say no what I wanted was the first cut God wants the first cut and then he blesses the rest sometimes we need to reprioritize who gets what first alright tax man other stuff as I've walked with people who have journeyed in this it's been amazing when people stop and rebudget reprioritize what they find already in their life that in comparison to giving it to God, let me say this they're wasting on something else I'm not talking about food or eating I'm talking about other stuff but then I've also worked with people that said I know I should give 10% I've looked at my budgets, I've reprioritized but it's not in my life right now do you know what I've said to those people start with 1% and take a journey towards 10 by faith. You say, where's that in the Bible? Oh, it's not. But I've seen God's goodness work with people too many times to know that this isn't true. I've seen people, I've sat with people and said, okay, let's start with 1%, half percent. What can you give? that's a sacrifice of your heart. Let's give that and walk towards 10%. Some of those people now give more than 10%. Why? Because when they started the journey of tithing, returning to God, what belongs to Him, the windows of heaven opened above their life. The pests stopped eating and the benefits started coming. So I want to encourage you today. I don't want this to be, I don't want to be a travel agent for a guilt trip. I don't wanna make this law or legalism, I I, I wanna make it something that's an honor principle in our hearts, that if God is who he says he is, if God has done what he says he's done, if God does every day for us what he says he does, how could we not return to him what he says belongs to him? Remember, this is the only thing in the Bible where he invites you to test him, So why don't you go ahead and test him? Have a conversation with Sean and Paula in a couple of months and say, God's a liar. He didn't do what he said. Test him, test him. And I want to finish with this statement. He's not doing it because he has any need. God needs nothing from us. He's self-created, self-sustaining, we do nothing to make him anything more than he already is. He doesn't ask for our tithe because he needs it because apparently the, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. But rather he wants to create something in your heart that can release more of his blessing on your life. You still love me? Listen, I'm only telling you the truth because I want every person in family church to experience the blessing of God when the system of this world is saying you're going to collapse. I say, no, we won't because we'll live by his kingdom principles and we'll see God do what he promised he would. Again, it always feels strange doing that. I was talking to a young gent earlier on and he said it was his first week last week and I always, I always started to apologise. I said, listen, I know I'm talking about money, but I don't... And he said, no, it, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed... Well, it he didn't say brilliant, I added that. He said, it was really good. He said, it was really good. And I said, oh, that's good because we're carrying on this week. But maybe you're here and you'll say, hey, I've come for the first time. I need Jesus. I need salvation. You're talking about money well yeah but it's important but there's nothing stopping about you talking to one of the pastors about salvation straight after this meeting because we serve a God who saves his resurrection was the receipt of our salvation expectation that faith in Jesus Christ not faith and faith in Jesus Christ will save you but you have to place faith in him I'm going to pray a prayer today and just give you an opportunity to respond. Ready? Let's pray this together. Why not, hey? Heavenly Father, thank you for giving Jesus. We're not saved because we love you, we're saved because you love us and loved us when we were unlovable. I need you. Save me, Jesus. I believe you're the Son of God, Saviour of my life. So I place my faith in you and I am saved. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, maybe you've been away from the Lord. I'm going to count to three and just make it really simple, non embarrassing. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand. You've believed in your heart. Now I want you to make a statement. Yeah, that was me. The statement doesn't save you. The faith in Christ saves you. But the statement says, that's me. So as I count to three, lift your hand. If you've never given your life to Christ, you've been away from God and you're coming back today. Here I go. One, two, three. Anybody today in the sound of my voice needs to give their life to Jesus. Experience the salvation of God. Hey, God bless you. That's awesome. I can see a hand at the back there. Praise the Lord praise the lord anybody else need to experience the salvation of god Just gonna wait god bless you there's a young lady here that's awesome hey thanks that's incredible there's someone else at the back there that's fantastic there's three people two at the back one one this is brilliant it's amazing sometimes i preach on the cross and no one responds i preach on money and people start giving their life to christ i love this only god could do that how about a fourth person you say, I need saving. I need saving. The fourth person at the back. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Is there a fifth person? And you say, I need saving. I need God to save me. I need, I've prayed that prayer. God bless you. Number five. Number six. I'm going to keep going here. Number six. Anybody else? You say, I need a savior. I need saving. Only God can save me. And I believe that he does through his son. Just going to wait one last moment. Father, thank you for these salvations today. Thank you for these people returning to you. Lord, I pray that a new beginning starts right now. Father, I pray for us, your church. Lord, would you take anything that I've taught that's not you and cause it to fall from our understanding. But anything that's of your kingdom and true to your word, let it remain and keep on growing in our hearts this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.